Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to Nigeria international defender Tyrone Ebuehi, who says that he's raring to go following his recovery from a knee injury which sidelined him for two years. Ebuehi says that his mental attitude helped him as he was in Portugal and feeling alone. Also, when I had this injury, this was the same mindset that, yeah, that I that I kept, you know, just to to get back stronger from my injury. That's coming up later, and a lot too on the English Premier League as Obama Yang decides to stay at Arsenal. Let's begin with the latest episode in the hiring and firing of coaches in African football, though not exactly hiring and firing this time, as Patrice Carteron has surprisingly left Egyptian giant Zamalek, paying his buyout clause of a reported $122,000 to join a club in Saudi Arabia. Frenchman Carteron has coached T.P. Mazembe of DR Congo, Raja Casablanca of Morocco and Al-Athli of Egypt, among other clubs, plus the Mali national team. Well, Carteron spent less than a year at Zamalek, who play Raja Casablanca in the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League next month. Well, Zamalek have fired coaches more than any other club in Africa, probably in the world in recent years, but this time their coaches quit. So what do you make of this story, Ida? Well, it was certainly unexpected, Steve. Um, Cateron won two trophies while with Zamalek, that being the Egyptian Super Cup and the CAF Super Cup. And he was in charge of 31 games with the White Knights. Now, he won 19, lost three and drew eight. That roughly gives us a win percentage of 61%. I mean, it's not bad, Steve, but also it's not that outstanding either. And especially considering his extremely high wages as a foreign coach. And when he took over in December 2019, well, the Egyptian Premier League season was about three months in having started in September. It was, of course, affected by the pandemic. I mean, it's now a year later, and uh, now we're seeing it in its last stretch. But he's left Zamalek in second place, Steve, almost 20 points behind league leaders Al Ali. And that's a pain point for me, at least, because... I would imagine that, look, while club president Mortada Mansour brought the Frenchman in to boost the club to compete seriously in the CAF Champions League, I mean, let's not forget that they were beaten 5-1 by Mamelodi Sundowns. That was in the last season's quarterfinals. And that Zamalek's last CAF Champions League title, Steve, was in the early 2000s. That notwithstanding, Steve, I'm sure that, look, Mortada wanted to give Al-Ali a serious run for their money domestically as they are defending champions. So Mortada will feel particularly hard done, I think, Steve, by this one. I mean, it was only in June 2020 that they extended Cateron's new contract by a year and, Steve, increased his salary by 20%. And... 
you know, it's generally known <laughs> that Mortada Mansour prefers to do the sacking as opposed to being left by a coach. I mean, Zamalek have had well over 20 coaches. We're talking just in the last five years. So Cateron definitely leaves the club in a quagmire. I mean, they're set to play in the CAF Champions League uh, semi-final, as you've mentioned there, Steve. And Zamalek are also in the quarterfinals of the Egypt Cup as well. As for Saudi side Al-Tawun, well, they have confirmed that Kateron has joined them and it's thought that his services will be necessary and, Steve, quite timely as they are currently taking part in the AFC Champions League and, frankly, have some way to go in the league as well. As for Zamalek, well, <laughs> it will be quite interesting to see who succeeds Kateron. Yes, unusual to see their coach leaving rather than being fired. Thanks, Ida. Do stay with us. And now to our interview with Nigeria international defender Tyrone Ebuehi, who says he's raring to go following his recovery from a knee injury, which sidelined him for two years. Netherlands-born Ebuehi has not played first-team football since he ruptured cruciate knee ligaments in July 2018 after the World Cup in Russia, where he came on as a substitute in the game against Iceland. Now, because of the injury, Ebuehi is yet to play for Portugal's Benfica, who he joined from Dutch club Den Haag. The 24-year-old has returned to the Netherlands now on loan to FC20. Ebuehi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji about the physical pain and the mental pain of the past years. It was very, a very hard, yeah, a long period, a hard time for me. But yeah, that's part of life sometimes, you know, like sometimes these type of things happen. Uh, unfortunately, with players, with athletes uh, that you get injured. And uh, yeah, it was that also happened with me. So uh, yeah, like I say, it's part uh, of the job, unfortunately, sometimes. And uh, yeah, I'm happy now that uh, that, that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling now and that's very fit. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful that I can, yeah play play the game that I love again. Um, we often hear a lot about footballers saying, I am determined to come back. But what does it take to survive two years without playing physical football mentally for you? Uh, yeah, it changed me a lot. Uh, as a, as a, not only as a player, but also as a person, you know. Also for me, uh, because uh, yeah, what most of the people know, I was born in Holland. Uh, so I started my career in Holland. And yeah, this... In, uh, this Injury happened uh, abroad in Portugal, so it was the first time for me, uh, yeah, leaving my parents' house because I was living with them. Yeah, another country, being alone. Uh, it was very tough, very tough. I cannot lie about that. Um, but like I always tell my my family and my friends right now is that uh, I'm still thankful to God, you know, for also these type of hard lessons sometimes in life. Mm. And uh, it really, really made me aware of, um, yeah, a lot of things, how to take care of my body now, yeah, how people can be, um, how situations uh, can happen in football and how to deal with them, you know. So, uh, yeah, like I say, you know, I'm thankful for the lessons God gave me. And uh, from now on, I also know for my future uh, and my career, uh, yeah, how to take care of myself and what what is the best uh, choice for me, you know, in the moment. Uh, if I get injured again, 
what hopefully will not happen. And um, yeah, also uh, as a player, you know, not not only as a player but also as a human being. So basically, um, what goes through your mind during those tough moments for you? Do you ever think or fear? Oh, come on, this could be the hand for me. Uh, you uh, you hear this type of stories sometimes, especially with this type of heavy injuries, with knee injuries, that players don't well, yeah, that they don't get to the same level that they were before the injury. But uh, I know the type of person and player that I am. I've always been a player that worked hard, also a person that worked hard, always did extra, always did more than most of my teammates. So uh, also when I had this injury, this was the same mindset that yeah that I that I kept, you know, just to to get back stronger from my injury. And um, yes, uh, things didn't go the way it should have gone. Uh, for me, it took me a long time, and uh, but one thing that I've always been doing in these last two years is working hard. Uh, that's how I was how I was raised. How I was yeah, that's how I was, how how I was teached, you know, from my mm. parents. So uh, that's something I always kept doing. And um, like I said, I'm thank uh, I'm thankful, you know, that everything is go- uh, going well with me now, and I can also say that I. Have especially the last yeah since the start of this year have done so much and invest so much in myself to become uh, as fit as possible. Does it uh, make it more difficult for you being away from home? You talked about being, I mean, living with your parents and suddenly you found yourself abroad in Portugal. So does it make it more difficult being away from your parents when you deal with this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's difficult, you know, in the beginning. Uh, I think not only if you have an injury, but also, yeah, just leaving the country where you was born, um, not being around your family uh, and your friends. So, you know, it's not like they can come, like you live in the same street, you know, that they just come, come pass by. No, it's not like that anymore. So, um, of course, my family supported me through everything and my friends. So they tried to come as much as possible. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for having them in my life. And, um, yeah, but like, it's difficult, you know, I cannot lie about that. Um, but also it makes you, uh, more experienced in life, you know, different culture, different language. So, mm. yeah, I'm also thankful for that, you know. Well, that's Nigeria international defender Tyrone Ebuehi talking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Akaleji speaking from the Netherlands. Well, two years out with injury in a new country away from his parents and feeling alone, that's a tough story, Ida. Tough indeed, Steve, but also good to hear as well that he's hopeful of better times ahead. And it's often a situation, you know, that one empathizes with, but honestly can never truly understand unless they've gone through something similar. Because as you've put it, look, it's pain on several fronts, physical because of the injury. And I think even on a bigger level, the mental and psychological aspect of it as well, because of the anguish. And we've seen this type of injury, this cruciate knee injury and many careers. And Ebwe himself admitted that he often asked himself if this really would mean the end of his playing career. But I do think that he's fortunate, very fortunate, Steve, to have age on his side. Well, Benfica actually won the Portuguese league title in Ebuehi's first season with them. And 
one can imagine that the emotions for the Nigerian Steve must have been pretty conflicting because on one side, your team has won the league title, but on the other, can't really take part in the campaign because of the injury. He was pretty much a spectator in the celebrations as well. But all in all, kudos to the club for their patience. I mean, they've invested in the player and naturally facilitated his rehabilitation. So, Steve, he's 24 years old, and I do believe that he will bounce back. All the best to him. Yes, yeah, so quite a story. And let's hope that uh, Ebuwe, he can have some good years now in his career. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Asking, how do you find mental strength in tough times? So we heard there from Tyrone Ebuwehi, who's ready to come back after two years out with a serious knee injury. He says his mental attitude helped him as he was in Portugal and feeling alone, and that he found strength in God and through his family. So how do you find strength in tough times in life? He mentioned there also his attitude of hard work and that he learned from the experience, even though things didn't go how he was expecting. So tell us, how do you find mental strength in tough times? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, still to come, Stuart on the new English Premier League season. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv, and you can read interviews there with various sports stars, including Sierra Leone Zumaru Bangura and Collins Fai of Cameroon. Now, last week on social media, we asked, what are you expecting for the brand new English Premier League season? Will it be like last season with Liverpool running away with it, or can Manchester City get it right this time? And also, will the gap between second and third be smaller this time around? And what about the Champions League places? We're here with your comments. Is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start with some thoughts on the current champions from Isaac in Ghana, who says Liverpool will defend the title successfully again. And Mustafa Turai in Malaysia agrees. I hope Liverpool will run away with it again, says Mustafa. But I'm a bit afraid because they had a sloppy start to their pre-season games. And I hope the same will not happen in their quest for defending their title. I see Manchester City finishing second by a narrow margin. The top four shall be very competitive this season as all teams are gearing up for a better season than the last. Jaturu Kalagula in the Gambia also goes for the reigning champions. Liverpool is the team I admire because they are not using more money to buy players. They have shown what they can do in the past two seasons by winning the Champions League and the Premier League title, says Jaturu. Eb Sila is also in the Gambia. Yes, the English Premier League will be even more exciting this year, says Ebb. I think Liverpool will win the race this season. Manchester City will have a good season, but I don't think they can compete with Liverpool. The top four will be Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea and Tottenham. 
However, Vin Asha D. Pakama in Malawi says, to me, Manchester City will take first place this season and uh, Mustafa Jalo in the Gambia agrees, I think Manchester City will win the league this year, says Mustafa. But picking a winner at this stage is proving difficult for many this week, including Alasana Adrame in the Gambia. I believe there will be a very competitive top four, says Alasana. Arsenal, for sure, will be part of it. Liverpool losing the Community Shield won't really make them the league favourites. But I hope Manchester City will take the Premier League title this season. Moses in Malawi says, I'm expecting a lot from the teams that finished third and fourth last season, that's Manchester United and Chelsea. I feel Liverpool and Manchester City have done enough and the teams following them have learned formulas on how to make them pay. I expect to see a new champion this season, says Moses. Hassan Jaune in the Gambia agrees and believes that the new champion could be the Gunners. I'm going to be very ambitious and say that I think my Arsenal will win the league, says Asana. For the Champions League spots, I think it will be Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool for the remaining three positions. Malang in Italy also finds picking a winner a tricky task. Steve, I think it's too early to predict the eventual champions because the Premier League is always full of surprises and it will be difficult for Liverpool to defend their title as I have seen the way teams in the top six are strengthening their squads. I think this time around no team will run away with the league easily and there will be a very hard fight for both winning the title and finishing in the top four, says Malang. Uh, many of you, like uh, Basiru Sala in the Gambia, are looking forward to an exciting new season. I can't wait to see the best league in the world resume, says Basiru. I think it will be more interesting and competitive than ever this season, with Chelsea spending big in the market. Liverpool will try to defend their crown. And for Manchester City, under the guidance of Mr Pep, anything is possible. Ricky Ngulube in Zambia says we can expect thrills and intrigues and you know it will never be short of drama. And there will be a plenty to excite us from the coaches too. Klopp, Guardiola, Babyface, Solskjaer, Mourinho, Lampard and others. At least there will be no dull moments. The new season will be awesome and I'm very excited, says Ricky. And Martin Moses in Kenya echoes the comments of many this week. I guess this is going to be one of the most interesting seasons ever, says Martin. Look at how Chelsea have invested heavily to try and bridge the gap between Liverpool and Manchester City. They should be considered as contenders, but I don't think they can win it just yet. My bet is on City to take it this time around. Liverpool look exhausted and with a thin squad, they'll come in in third after Chelsea. And unless United add more players, breaking into the top four would be very difficult because at Spurs, Mourinho has invested and he is a serial winner. Finally, reserve a thought for Everton and Newcastle. They have been impressive in the transfer market and can threaten the dominance of the top six. And finally, here's Obina in Nigeria, who says Liverpool doesn't seem at all convincing lately. So for my top four, it will be Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal. That's a big call.
Well, it certainly is uh, with uh, last season's uh, champions uh, dropping down to third. Uh, So uh, there you are, Steve. No one's really talking about any team winning by an 18-point margin like Liverpool last season. Uh, But uh, almost everyone's expecting a much closer title race, which for us fans adds to the drama and excitement. Yes, it should be great. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to all who got in touch. And on another topic, we heard from Arena Itwe Emi in Uganda commenting on the timing of the Africa Cup of Nations. And Arena Itwe says uh, the Africa Cup of Nations is not the World Cup, so let it stay every two years and many talents can be discovered quickly, like our Ugandan boys who play in Egypt now because of last year's Africa Cup of Nations. Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for that. And Arena Itwe also says we like the show here in Uganda. Thanks a lot uh, for supporting us. Let's go back to the English Premier League now and to Stuart Weir in the UK, our European football expert. Lots to talk about. Chelsea-Liverpool on Sunday, by the way, the big game in the second round of fixtures. Let's start, though, with Arsenal captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signing a new three-year deal. It was expected and it's great news for Gunners fans, Stuart. Yes, he has indeed signed a three-year contract worth potentially $71 million because in addition to his basic salary of $325,000 a week, there are some potential bonuses. It's a massive amount of money, but at least he's doing something to earn it. Unlike his teammate Mehmet Uzel, who's allegedly on $450,000 a week and has not played since March. Aubameyang was quoted as saying on the Arsenal Instagram account, I signed a new contract because I want to be an Arsenal legend like Thierry Henry, Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp. It's thanks to the fans, my teammates and everyone at the club that I feel I belong here. And as you say, Steve, it's certainly good news for Arsenal because he has been their outstanding player over the last year or two. Yes, no doubt. So Liverpool beat Leeds 4-3 on the opening weekend in a thrilling game. But any concerns about the Liverpool defence, Stuart? Well, Steve, I think we could wait a long time for a game with as much excitement as that Liverpool 4-3 win over Leeds. Three times Liverpool took the lead, three times Leeds equalised before Liverpool got the winning goal two minutes from time. Mo Salah got his season off to a great start with three goals, two of them penalties. Full marks to Liverpool for having the stamina to keep going and get that late winner. But you had to feel sorry for Leeds, who had contributed so much to the game. While you couldn't disagree with either penalty decision, they both seemed harsh on Leeds. The first one was for a handball when the ball struck the defender's chest and bounced onto his arm. One of those unfortunate accidental handballs which result in a penalty because of the position of the defender's arm. And the second penalty, I think, was just due to exhaustion by the Leeds players who had battled so hard for so long. I mean, in one sense, Jurgen Klopp's football philosophy is to score more goals than the opposition. And he will therefore be delighted to see his team scoring four, even if they conceded three. But I think you're right that it does raise some alarm bells that a promoted club was able to score those three goals against them. Now, Virgil van Dijk scored for Liverpool, but he was also badly at fault with one of the Leeds goals. And I read an interesting statistic that in his first 154 Premier League games, van Dijk was responsible for one goal being conceded through his mistake. But in his last four Premier League games, he has made mistakes leading to two goals. 
Now, just a quick comment on the three promoted clubs. One English newspaper asked 11 of its journalists which three clubs would be relegated. And all 11 journalists said that West Brom would go down. 10 of the 11 thought that Fulham would be relegated again, but no one thought that Leeds would go down. So on the basis of one match, Fulham losing 3-0 at home to Arsenal, West Brom losing 3-0 at home to Leicester, but Leeds giving a good account of themselves in arguably their hardest fixture of the season. These predictions look really quite interesting. Yes, and Leeds certainly won a lot of admirers with that performance against Liverpool. Now, Stuart, just take us through the setup for this season because we had so many changes because of COVID-19 for last season to be completed. Uh, still playing in empty stadiums for now. Well, it's certainly great, as you say, to have Premier League football back. But unfortunately, the COVID-19 rates in England are rising at the moment. So there will definitely be no fans at games until at least mid-October. And I think a lot later than that. Despite a push by some of the bigger clubs, we're back to the normal three subs per game rather than five, which we had temporarily. And I think one thing we'll all be delighted about is that there are going to be no more water breaks. What is strange is that this season has started, but we've still got two weeks of transfer window left. And even after that international transfer window closes on the 5th of October, there will still be a 10-day period until the 16th of October when English Premier League clubs can trade with each other and with Championship and EFL clubs. Last year, we had a short winter break for the first time, but this season there's no time for that. We'll also be using the new Nike flight ball, which Nike say will fly 30% more consistently than any previous ball. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? There are no changes to the laws, but a few clarifications of interpretation and the way VAR will be used. Referees are being encouraged to use TV monitors on the touchlines more to make their own decisions. And, thank goodness, referees and VAR are being encouraged to make quicker decisions. As far as offside goes, the so-called armpit offside decisions will continue. That is, of any part of the body with which you can score is a millimetre over the offside line, that is offside. Assistant referees are also being told they should only raise their flag in tight situations after a goal has been scored, otherwise the game just continues. The purpose is to avoid that situation where the game is stopped, a chance is lost, and then it is shown that the assistant referee was actually wrong. And there's a new clarification of handball, the so-called T-shirt handball. Handball will now not be given if the ball strikes the top of the arm. And you imagine someone wearing a T-shirt, so there's just a little bit more leeway between the shoulder and the arm. But we'll see how that works out in practice. And then for penalties, VAR will now check that the goalkeeper has one foot on the goal line when the penalty is taken. If the goalkeeper does not have a foot on the line and saves the penalty, the penalty will be retaken but only if the goalkeeper saves it. If the player shoots wide or scores, then it doesn't matter. This is something that FIFA tried to introduce last year, but a number of national football associations didn't want to have it, but now it's being imposed on everyone. Well, it does seem to make sense, though. And uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? 
Well, concern has already been expressed, Steve, about the number of games some players may find themselves playing this season. Since the restart on the 17th of June, Raheem Sterling has played 13 games for Manchester City in the Premier League, the Champions League and the FA Cup, plus several games for England. Now, if City and England are successful next season, by the time the season ends in July, Sterling could potentially have played 88 games in 13 months. And incidentally, the highest number by any player in a 12-month period was Brian Talbot for Arsenal, 1979-80, playing 70 games. So that's something we may have to, or clubs may have to watch. There was an extraordinary game in the EFL Cup this week, which saw Bournemouth draw nil-nil with Crystal Palace and the game go to penalties. Bournemouth won 11-10 when the Bournemouth goalkeeper, Asmir Begovic, saved the 24th penalty of the match from Palace's Milivojevic. The first 20 penalties were scored, but then when it was the turn of the two goalkeepers, Begovic saw his penalty saved by Wayne Hennessy, but Hennessy in turn shot over the bar. So with every player having taken the penalty, they started again. Brooks scoring for Bournemouth for the second time before Milivojevic's miss. I was going to say it was entertaining for the crowd, but of course there was no crowd. And in the same competition in the same week, Hull City beat Leeds United 9-8 on penalties. Finally, Steve, Connor Cody is the Wolverhampton captain. That is somebody with initial CC as captain of WW, the only captain with the same two initials for the only club with the same two initials. Beat that. <laughs> Amazing indeed. CC, Connor, Cody and WW, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.